0: Hi everyone, it's Brad Hook here from the Resilience Institute and I'm joined by Dr. Sven and Alexia from our team and we're just going to talk through the current situation that we're all facing with regards to coronavirus and a world in lockdown and a very different, very unique situation for most of us. So personally myself, I'm working from my home in Tauranga New Zealand I've been working from home – well, I have been delivering a few workshops this week and I was uh, anxious about being in a room with 20-odd people and everyone else was as well. But that's pretty much the last engagement I've got for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, Working from home presents a number of challenges, as many people will be discovering. But at the same time, if you create some rhythm to your day – an appropriate environment, I think you can succeed with that particular part of work and staying resilient. But anyway, so I'll pass it over to Sven, who's in a completely different situation at the moment. How are you doing?
1: <laughs> yeah, hi, Brad. Alexia, team. So um, I'm probably sitting in the most isolated place in the world, way down in the bush in, in Africa, I'm hoping desperately that we'll be able to fly back to New Zealand to join our family. Currently, we have our families spread across multiple countries, and uh, any trip home does incur some risk. So, you know, that is unsettling, um, given that we are in, in, a, in a calm place. I have not been delivering. I have found that almost all of our work coming up has been cancelled, uh, and also I have to self-isolate when I get back, and if I get back, so I wouldn't be able to deliver anyway. Having said that, we we're certainly finding many of our clients already shifted over to, to remote working and are already engaging with our various virtual um, opportunities. So while it is certainly an anxiety-provoking situation and it doesn't look, to me anyway, like it's going to be over soon, uh, I think it does create uh, some really interesting opportunities, you know. So I'm forcing myself to stay optimistic on a couple of points. One, nature is bouncing back. We've all been very concerned about nature, and already within weeks, it's recovering. That's good news. You know, too, I think the concept of remote working and learning in a modern world how to stay connected to each other, that we're going to learn a lot about that, and that's a good thing. And I think it's a really important thing time for us to to ask these questions about what really matters. And you start to realize that your family matters, you know, the work you're passionate about really matters and a lot of us have described these centrifugal forces, um, maybe we might come home to a more resilient version of ourselves. So I think that's, uh, that's positive. Yeah. Uh, certainly, I think it will be challenging economically already the way the world has responded to this virus. Uh, is going to have major economic consequences. So I think this concept, Brad, that you've been working on on remote working, is is absolutely key, and I think it's essential. Every single one of us needs to have an actionable plan that we work on urgently to get started. Absolutely,
0: Alexia, how's everything on your side?
2: It's going fine. I am myself uh, home in Switzerland. Uh, like most of us, I'm um, stuck home with my children, three of my children, because my eldest daughter is um, in London where she has to uh, to work um, and she has to stay in the UK. So like everyone else, I'm experiencing um, lots of adjustments. Um, work needs to go on. We had to um, adjust lots of our programs. So this week has been, of course, quite hectic between struggling to find a new family routine when everyone is home, and at the same time, adjusting our programs to make sure that we can still serve our clients and, and provide value. So that has been certainly interesting, and I suspect there will be more learning as we continue moving in that uncertain situation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So... Dr. Sven, uh, what, from your perspective, do you see as a constantly changing, evolving situation? Anything we should look out for, any places that we can rely on for information? What's your perspective?
1: Yeah, I think it's really important. You know, we're all learning, and, you know, as a team, we're talking about this a lot. Things are changing fast. So um, anything we say, I think we have to say with great humility, And a whole lot of respect for what we call unknown unknowns. And, you know, even if you just look at the last week, we've been had these compounding effects on families, on economies, on jobs, on employment, you know, virus spread and so on. So, look, it's a very uncertain time. And, you know, right at the core of it, that's our game. You know, we have been working on this concept of resilience, and part of what resilience is about is to be calm, to be centered, to be healthy, to be emotionally strong, mentally clear uh, in these times of uncertainty. So I think you know, that, that central message is for me, right at the moment, the single most important one. We have to start with ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and that means taking care of your own physical health making sure your immune system is best equipped for what might happen. And, you know, that means we've said many times, but just to recap, I think it's absolutely essential. We sleep well and with discipline and regularity, even to the point of increasing the amount of sleep you take. We know that's good for your recovery. We know that's good for your immune system. Certainly stay fit. Certainly work on your breathing, your relaxation. And with all this noise and distraction, You've got to keep bringing yourself down. We know that's good for your immune system. I think clearly the emotional elements are being felt by everyone. There's a higher level of anxiety. Uh, Remember, anxiety is based on a feeling of fear and a process of worry. We've got to work on that. You know, if, if you lose yourself to anxiety, you can't help yourself, you can't help others. And likewise, we're going to have to discipline our minds. We're going to have to keep uh, keep centred in the present moment. We've got to stay optimistic. Uh, we've got to share things optimistically and, uh, you know, look for the recovery and the bounce that will inevitably come. So look, I think those sort of centripetal or central, keep yourself calm, well, clear, uh, will remain my key thought in in this time. Having said that, I think the virus numbers have surprised us all over the last week or so. So I think, you know, maintaining your immunity, maintaining safe distances, not being silly. You know, there are a bunch of young people who've been a little cavalier. While we can understand that behavior, I think for the greater good, it's it's time for all of us to be just a little cautious. Mm -hmm. And some of the experts I've been following have said, you know we may be needing to to manage that social distance respect for each other for maybe 18 months before until the herd immunity becomes strong enough mm. certainly the current view is a vaccine is unlikely to be ready before 12 to 18 months and certainly the concept of herd immunity where you know 60 to 80% of us infected we've got stronger we've recovered and infection rates dive that could well be 12 to 18 months away. So in the meantime, there's respect for each other, you know, not to be too cavalier and keep uh, distance. If you're asked to self-isolate, self-isolate. Um, you know, washing hands has shown to be very useful. I think that should be encouraged. Uh, masks, a little less uh, you know, there's a lot of noise about masks, and I think all that does is actually spread fear. There isn't a lot of evidence that masks will protect you. Perhaps if you were sick, if you had a mild flu, it would be respectful to others to wear a mask. And look, the last point, Brad, is, is I think we're at a point where the social and economic consequences of this are actually now much more serious than the, the COVID virus. So I think we 're all where all of us are we 're seeing people being laid off we' seeing people very worried about their jobs uh, you know we 're going to see companies start to 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 get into trouble um, and you know we 've seen what 's happened to the markets uh, that 's going to affect a lot of people um, so it 's a really important time just to be careful with one 's resources. Um, And no, also, you know, and we're seeing this, I think, around all of us where some people are being incredibly generous and helpful to employees and people they work with. This is a time for kindness, um, not a time to close the doors. But we do need to understand the economic consequences are probably going to be with us for, for maybe a year at least. Yeah, for sure. And Alexia, have any questions that are sitting? I mean, you're in a, in a very evolved country in Switzerland, but you're facing high numbers. Imagine the communications there are good.
2: In Switzerland, we are in the center of Europe, and as you can see, um, although the society might be very much evolved, still we are impacted. So uh, it's interesting to note that the virus doesn't make any difference um, between the countries, and here is uh, one challenge that uh, touches Every country and, and potentially everyone, but unfortunately, probably the most vulnerable ones. Mm-hmm. The most. Now, coming back to what you said, then I agree with you. I think, um, and we know that when things are uncertain, the best thing we can do is to refocus on our zone of influence. And that starts with ourselves. And I think it's a good moment to remember uh, this analogy with the uh, flight instructions that we are given. You know, when there is a danger, when you are flying, Mm -hmm. it is said, please put the oxygen mask on yourself before even Mm -hmm. helping children. Mm -hmm. And this is the right moment to remember that we do need to take care of ourselves as a priority Mm -hmm. because this is what is needed to keep supporting our family and our teams. So please make sure that you have a routine that serves you. Most of us will have to question our habits, and our habits will change during this confinement period that will probably last a bit longer than expected.
1: Nixia, forgive me for interrupting, but I think you've just touched on an absolutely critical practical thing that we need to communicate. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You have been a lead player in that kind of concept of daily practice. Could you share for us and some of our audience, you know, what do you recommend? What do we actually do to get that oxygen mask on ourselves?
2: Definitely, the way we live our days sets the tone for the way we live our life. And if we assume that these special period will last for a few weeks or a few months, the way we live our days during these few weeks or months will definitely um, define how we'll navigate uh, through that uncertainty. And daily practice, as we call it, is what are the habits that help me to go from the morning till the evening, how do I manage all of my resources, my body, my heart, my mind, and my spirit? How do I involve them in my day without being upset? Certainly not, because we are not robots, and I'm not here to say that everyone should do exactly the same, but there are definitely habits, practices, that can be extremely supportive. Make sure that you take a few moments to reflect, staying active and you do' not have to run uh, for hours to have that uh, good physical connection. You can just take a few exercises on your mat in your bedroom, you can do a few stretching exercises, pay attention to what you eat. We know that what we eat influences, of course, the immune system but also our emotional uh, engagement. So make sure that you eat healthy food because that will help you to stay positive as well. Mm. In such a context, there will be a high tendency to be caught into negativity. If we do nothing, let's face it, we will all fall into the negativity trap, for sure. So it will require a proactive effort to stimulate positive emotions. What can I do to stimulate positive emotions? How can I connect with my children, my partner, connecting with your friends? You take your phone and have a good chat with your friends, anything that will help you to stimulate a positive emotion and counterbalance that negativity trap. And yes, indeed, then, a fake smile can help. So if you need it, make sure you keep smiling. But all these practices that may sometimes feel a little bit simple, um, trust me, they do work. And science confirms that, yes, they do have a positive impact. So, up to us to define what works for us, and not everything works for everyone, but what we call a daily practice is make sure we have a set of habits that can really serve us through the day.
1: To help us be practical, Alexia, I mean, I certainly notice, you know, I'm trying to maintain mine, but it's very tempting, isn't it, to go to the phone and just have a quick check of the news, and then check it again, and then sort of check the social media, and then maybe on your computer, you know, looking at CNN. Yeah. Uh, what are you actually doing yourself? How are you making sure that you you know balance the information that we do need with a routine? Just can you tell us a little bit about your practical steps? What are you doing right now?
2: To be honest, I'm not the champion for that because like most of us, I'm tempted to check WhatsApp and, and and go through the various websites. The routine I stick to is to avoid jumping into the news when I wake up in the morning because I really cherish my morning routine. So for me, the first one hour when I wake up, from 6 to 7 o'clock, it's really important for me to do things that work for me, that help me to feel centered. Um, I do a few exercises on my mat. I take 10 minutes meditation. And I enjoy a cup of coffee with my husband. That's really my routine. And then in the evening, of course, I look at the news and uh but I make sure that um, in the one hour before going to bed, I switch off. Uh, and I think the worst we would, uh, the worst we can do is checking the news just before going to bed. So please make sure that uh, you have at least 30 minutes, ideally an hour, off screen before you go to bed. Because as you mentioned, Sven, sleep is so important. For your emotional well being, but as well for your immune system. And we know from science that what you do just before going to sleep will influence the quality of your sleep. So I think that's a good invitation for each of us to pay special attention to that.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Would you say that this is a good opportunity for many people who may have been too busy or have felt like they were too busy to actually start creating some positive habits? They're not transiting. They're at home in their home environment. What better time than to be forced or have this opportunity, uh, reframe it Mm -hmm. as an opportunity, to create some of these habits that will support them, not only through the coronavirus,
1: but beyond? Yeah, I think it's such an interesting question. I was talking to an emergency doctor yesterday and he made exactly this point. You know, in the busy world we've been in, we've all been longing for this retreat, this opportunity to center ourselves, to have a little mini uh, recalibration of our lives. And whilst it's difficult as we, you know, rush around looking at all this distracting information, couldn't agree more, you know, if we could have that discipline to actually do as Alexia said and say, actually, you know, I'm going to start creating in this imposed silence a routine that not only helps me bounce, but continues to build the growth of my physical emotional resources during this time. Yeah. And it just makes such sense, doesn't it? It's the and I think, you know, maybe every one of us could think about, you know, what is that... Um, uh, that opportunity to kind of come back to center, take care of yourself, develop a routine, because who knows, you know, this could go on for a while. So not only would that sense of uh, an imposed retreat be good for dealing with the moment-by-moment moment challenges we're facing, but actually it will help us in the long run too. That's a great great idea. I mean, I think maybe we should think more about that. Absolutely. And, and maybe.
2: And, you know, um, it is said that to build a habit, you need about two months. For many years, people thought it was a bit less than a month, but that is wrong. Uh, The latest research shows that it takes about 66 66 days on average. Mm -hmm. So that might well be exactly the number of weeks that we'll spend at home. Uh, Mm -hmm. So why don't we take that opportunity to define a new habit, define a new routine, um, have the discipline, to so stick to it during these first weeks and then hopefully when things go back to normal, uh, we have these new habits that will keep supporting us through daily challenges that may present.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Given what you were saying earlier, Alexia, about the emotional side, you know we know that gratitude mm. is a really key emotion. It has a huge healing immune system benefit, social benefit. Maybe we can all say thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. To reflect on my life, to work out what matters and to put in place my own little routine for this next period. And if we can really feel grateful for that, that counters some of the anxiety, the uncertainty of this time. Mm.
0: I think part of it could also be a newsfeed diet of some sort, looking at what we consume in terms of our, obviously our diet... But also in terms of information and creating some rhythm around that. So, for example, protect your first hour, and maybe it's between 11 and 12. I allow myself to consume news as much as I want, and then just batch batch these types of activities throughout the day so that you're not impacted just before bed.
2: Another one that's really worth mentioning, um, talking about emotions, we know that writing is uh, extremely beneficial. So as most of us have probably a little bit more time, yeah. it might be an opportunity to journal, to write down a few things every day. And um, emotional writing is even said to protect you in your immune system. When you're able to clarify your emotions, put them into words, it's a way yeah. to acknowledge these emotions, and that yeah. may well help you to, um, to manage them in a better way. So that might also be a good idea. I've invited my children to... Start a core journal. And actually, they were quite open and they have um, progressively filled their core journal uh, for themselves, which I find um, probably a positive initiative for them.
1: Definitely. No, thank you for saying that, Alexia, because I know it's something we discussed about maybe in a follow up webinar. You know, I think we're all conscious there are many families all of a sudden at home. Mm perhaps in a way they've never been at home before, in close proximity, without being able to escape. And firstly, as you say, we do need to acknowledge that children will process the situation differently. And they will be, if you like, our emotions are very contagious to our children. So, I mean, an additional level is, is, you know, just be sensible when you talk to your kids. Give them constructive things like the journaling. You know, be prepared to listen and ask them what their concerns are and answer it. And like I think it was the Swedish, Norwegian leaders said, it's okay to be afraid. That's great wisdom. Mm. So two sides. I mean, one, I think we do need to be very cautious and supportive of younger people who may not process things the same way we do. Uh, But secondly, and it's a really interesting idea, you know, how do we now start to build habits as a family? Yeah. You know, how might we actually think about, well, to be a healthy family, if we take your 66 days, which I think, by the way, is probably a a good number to keep in mind, how are we going to be a good, healthy, functioning family for 66 days without the normal distractions of life? That will take a little bit of thinking through. It will. It's definitely worth uh, creating another episode
0: around that with some ideas. Family flow, uh, how you structure an integral
1: family plan. Mm. and once again the gratitude you know how many of us have longed for time to be with our families well here it is yeah thank you
0: many of us uh, the popularity of the documentary called minimalism uh, is uh, a signal as to how much we crave these types of situations where we shut down we slow everything we stay together with our families people pay lots of money to go to retreats like this so There we go. It's an opportunity. For free. For free. (laughs) Or maybe unpaid, but we'll see how we all go. (laughs) Hopefully, we we all make it through. So, in terms of teams, I thought let's uh, have a chat about how can we lead our teams through this Mm. testing time? Because many managers, many team leaders, even really senior leaders will never have experienced leading a team who are not there physically, uh, who don't tense up when the leader walks through, who uh, are not impacted by the presence of a leader. Suddenly, everyone's located in places that the leader's never even seen, can't comprehend. So uh, what are some practical tips for leading through this time?
1: Hmm. I read a very sobering article about um, how Alan Joyce uh, in Qantas is dealing with a situation, so you know they've had basically three weeks of crisis room. Mm. So, not only have 20,000 people lost their jobs, but everyone is working remotely. It's very testing, I think, for any leader. You know, not only are they separated by distance, but what they are doing is almost lurching from one critical event to the next and having to face a run of really difficult decisions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, I've only start this because I think, Brad, in many ways we should move to to some of the things on remote working that you're an expert in. Sure. But I think, you know, everything we've said today so far is mission critical for leaders. You know, I watched, I have watched a number of um, anxiety-provoked outbursts from world leaders. I mean, if you just go to CNN, you'll see a, a bunch of them just on today. Um, that doesn't help. Mm. So the need for leaders to take care of themselves, to take some time to stay connected to their families, to make sure they actually close the crisis room now and again and walk this talk, I mean, never has been more important for leaders to practice resilience in its full uh, suite. So I think, you know, to do anything sensibly, that's step one leader must take care of him or herself. Uh, it, it's essential. Um, yeah, this, this connection thing is, is very interesting. I mean, I think, you know, one of the gifts is that we do have this capacity for visual connection. Um, I was talking to a sales leader, and his advice was great. You know, he said, even if you don't have fancy virtual video conferencing facilities, make sure you talk to all your people every day by phone. So, now, that, there are limits to that, and that's where I guess a leadership team is, is the only way to deal with this, but to make sure that if you can't meet physically, at least you get the tone of voice effect. Mm-hmm. Um, that's key. I mean, for those of us lucky enough to have these the, the sort of conference facilities, I really would recommend all leaders use this regularly and put out regular uh, information, which is both rational, reasonable, but also practice those disciplines of emotion control, of positivity and, and clarity of thinking. I'd be interested really in your, some of your thoughts, Brad, because that's something and a topic you've been involved in for many, many years now, and you've led us through the yeah. digital journey. I think it's all about modelling the behaviours that you expect
0: from the team and providing them with some really practical guidance. I've been working on a program for how to lead through these times, especially remotely. And I think some of the factors that I've uh, considered are your work environment, just finding out how people are working. And practically if they're working on their bed in their bedroom that's probably not going to be very effective but maybe there is nowhere else for them to work in their house everyone has such different living arrangements and it will be mind boggling for some managers to to come to terms with mm. what's actually going on in their lives the next thing is rhythm you know can we encourage uh, a structured rhythm while being flexible, for some people, they'll have kids at home. They might be elderly people at home. They might live with flatmates. There's all kinds of things that will be happening in close confinement, maybe two families in the same house. <coughs> if we can at least agree with each person in the team, okay, that's going to be your rough structure, at, there are, there's some level of expectation there that we know we can communicate at certain times. I think helping people focus and reinforcing the importance of flow state we're 500% more productive in flow state. So perhaps if we structure the day in a way that we know there is a gap of an hour or two in the morning or the evening where we can really focus, remove distractions, that would be useful. Making sure that people get enough rest, that they're not on their phones into the night, disrupting their sleep cycles, you know, whatever we can do to ensure that people are taking those breaks. And as you've as mentioned before, I, I think you you summed it up. Connecting with video where possible, uh, connecting at least with the phone, getting to see each other's facial expressions, really trying to empathize for difficult situations that we're all going through. Maybe even training people in some, some practicalities around meeting etiquette. For some, it'll be the first time they've had group meetings and there'll be interruptions and things in the background and you know, maybe some basic housekeeping for how we use our technology, certainly, mm-hmm. and this is a whole other realm. You know, from a technology security perspective, if you are in an open environment, how do you keep your work device safe from prying eyes and that kind of thing. And then also just from a mental fitness perspective, and we do a lot of work on that in our Mental Fitness for Leaders program, recognizing that downward spiral and being able to have effective conversations about each one of those levels. So That's, that's kind of my thinking around how we can optimize it. It's Craft,
1: but I think most of those points can make a
2: difference.
1: I uh, think thank you, mate. I think it's so clear that, and I'd just like to emphasise one that I find really interesting with teams, is, you know, that structuring of agenda yeah. often is only content. I think when you're doing these virtual meetings, it's absolutely essential to have, before the main agenda, to have a, an agenda item, which is to check in Yes. even if it is briefly you know, how are you Brad, how are you Alexia just quickly get to understand there's a human being in this virtual room who's dealing with a situation and I'm interested and I care enough yeah. to just pay attention for a moment it's mm-hmm. such a good um, way to introduce and create an environment where the rest of the conversation is constructive mm-hmm. yeah
2: it's very important and um, definitely as you, uh, you mentioned as well Leaders set the tone in their teams. So in today's period, their behaviours, their attitude, the way they do respond to the situation will influence everyone in the team. Mm. So as most of us are having these virtual connections, what is absolutely critical for a leader is to keep sure that he or she stays calm, inspires trust. And, and kind of confidence and self confidence.
0: Self confidence, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important that every leader works on himself, herself, to make sure this is what radiates. And maybe just one practicality here that I want to emphasize most of us will spend many, many hours sitting, uh, yeah. as we're having all these conference calls, uh, working from home in a yeah. usually uh, small space it might be appropriate to um, suggest to have some standing uh, conference calls, stand-up conference calls. So I have suggested that to some uh, some leaders this week. Make sure during the one-hour conference call that you have, invite people at some point to stand up for 10 minutes and continue the conversation standing up. Mm-hmm. Very practical, but it may help uh, avoiding sitting 10 hours uh, during your day, which we know. Uh, it's not good for your health and might also be, be quite debilitating at a time when we feel very much stuck in a, um, in a small space.
0: Yes, good point. One other thing I thought that might be useful is encouraging informal conversations because people get a lot of value out of those informal conversations, the water cooler effect, so maybe creating some kind of virtual water cooler, whether it's a forum or a chat room where people can just talk about small wins, what's worked well, what was funny, you know, standing up and they're wearing their underpants on a webinar, whatever it might be, uh, just little things that have happened and sharing experiences so they can have some informal conversations, peer-to-peer, about the situation that they're in. They know they're not alone.
1: So yeah, I almost uh, wonder, maybe we need to um, emphasize a discipline in our diaries, because you actually have to think about these things. And, you know, what I've noticed, and I'm sure many of us are noticing, you can very easily get caught up in concerns and rumination and worry. And it's debilitating. Mm. If you have some diary items where there are practical things, like, you know, I'm going to call so and so and so and so and so today and we've got this meeting then, and, you know, this is how I'm going to dress for that meeting.
0: Exactly. So
1: you have very practical step-by-step actions through the day that keep you positive um, and and purposeful in in those very tiny and now very important actions. Yeah. I like that a lot. So, moving
0: along, uh, we've touched on this already. How do we manage the news and information flood, this information density that we're surrounded with? We've got... 24 7 access to 24 7 news cycles, and I don't think that's doing us much good. So,
1: any practical tips around that? Yeah. And I guess uh, the honesty and humility <laughs> needs to be firmly in place and for all of us to answer this. I'm trying, not 100% successfully, to limit myself to twice a day. But it's, I have to tell you, it's difficult. And, you know, I, I thought I was good at these things. So I will be really, really uh, honest and say this is tricky, right? So I'm trying to limit certain things to just once a day. Sorry, twice a day. Twice so a day. your anxiety tends to break through that. Yeah. So that's something I think, you know, we are working at uh, at home. I'll give you a practical example. Yesterday we, we headed off early. Before we really had time to get involved in anything, and we went for a five hour, very difficult, very remote walk where there was no cell phone coverage. It was a little bit tough, but it was absolutely beautiful, mm-hmm. and we couldn't get any news or any connection at all for about six hours. Now, I, I you know, we were talking about this, it, is, it was healing. So I think it just reinforces what we said earlier. The more time you can be engaged in something practical and useful and not flitting from one gorge to the next of information, yeah. it's going to serve you. It but will. don't underestimate the difficulty. That's right.
0: Alexia, any thoughts on that?
2: No, I'm, I'm on the same page. I'm trying my best uh, with limited success. Uh, as I said before, uh, I try to protect uh, the very few first moment in the day and the last hour before I go to bed, and in between, honestly, I'm, I'm very much connected. Um, but I agree with Ben, I think if you succeed being engaged in another activity, um, that reduces the risk of being caught into that flow of information. Um, if you have the, the chance to be able to go out for a walk, that's fantastic, but that will not be the case for most of us, as media mm-hmm. us are now stuck home. Um, but one activity that I have enjoyed uh, with my kids is cooking. Uh, in normal time, I have uh, no time for it, and, and now, as we are all here, uh, they enjoy it, and uh, we have decided to take more time for cooking, and that might be a nice activity, uh, during which you decide to be totally present and, and uh, enjoy the experience.
0: Yeah, great i also think choosing the 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 news feeds that you visit choose them wisely have one or two that you rely on and maybe not visiting every single channel from facebook to instagram to you know looking at photos of empty shelves does no one any good in fact it stimulates panic buying and it's Uh, That's not good for anyone So choose wisely I think And don't go seeking it If you find these articles Although they're everywhere Even our local newspaper where I live Every single article in a local newspaper Was about COVID-19 Which I thought was ridiculous and scary Not one story about something that's gone well for someone So anyway, choose your news sources
1: wisely Maybe I can add something. I, I know many of us in the sort of medical side and, and many of the experts I've been reading have moved increasingly to the Johns Hopkins University site. Yes. I think if you, if you need to know what's going on, that is a very well presented site. You know, they have a map of what's going on, what's happening live. It's considered to be the most up to date and accurate Sensibly presented and without any, as you say, um, clickbait. Now, you know, do you need to look at the live updates on CNN and BBC and other international news sites? Perhaps less so. Mm, I would agree. You want to need to know what's going on in your country. So, learning to do, you know, looking through things really quickly is useful, but resist that temptation to click on those you know, excitable items. Johns Hopkins, much more useful. Definitely. And
0: I've spoken a little bit about setting up for remote working. As I mentioned, there is a lot on the Resilience Institute website and we'll keep adding to that because I think it is going to be important going forward. Uh, another question I have written down that I'm interested to to hear your perspectives is how to manage the acute stresses
1: yeah I've been reflecting on that over the last 24 hours because we've got this problem there's there's a long term concern you know when's our business going to get back to what we all know so we're all sitting here worried about that Um, but at the same time, you know, you get updates and, you know, you've got to get a family member home or you're not sure if a flight's going to go or should you even go through an airport. So as you say, there are acute stresses too. Mm. So I think, you know, first uh, wisdom point, we probably need to acknowledge we're a little more, a little less resilient than we normally are Yeah. because of the, the way this is unfolding over a period of time. So if you use the old language, they talk about chronic stress and acute stress. I think, you know, we call it acute and chronic challenge. We're dealing with both. And uh, I think certainly, I, I, I mean, usually I'm pretty good at dealing with some of those acute challenges. I have definitely noticed I've had to really, really double down on that. So, you know, in simple terms, I think what Alexia was saying around having your daily discipline Mm. This morning, for example, it was a moment where I felt a little uncomfortable. We're talking about our family getting back together. I just went to my mat and did some yoga. Mm -hmm. Really simple postures, focusing on my breathing, and that was immediately effective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, the cooking idea. You know, this morning, Sue and I made breakfast together. And I think, Alexia, you mentioned the coffee with, with Benoit in the morning. Those moments that you use, the rituals, the rhythms to counter the acute stresses are really, really important. You know, and and maybe this is humility. I'd I'd like to hear your view on this. I'm normally quite a good meditator most days a week. That has dropped away a little bit. Mm. So there's a sense of, you know, these chronic and, and acute challenges It's difficult to do some of those things that usually help us manage our acute uh, challenges. Um, Second one, I think that's all I can say on this, is when you feel the acute distress, stand up, move a little bit. If you possibly can, go to a window, look outside, get that wide vision perspective, hopefully with some nature if you can. And just try to be present to your breathing, mm-hmm. your body grounded and life going on around you. It's very important. You know, that that discipline of you know, feeling the discomfort, get up, move, ground yourself, absorb something that gives you a sense of equanimity. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, as you told then um, I think we all have a great opportunity to practice what at the Resilience Institute we call the emotional combat. So here we are, uh, we are having these uh, challenging emotions coming to us. Uh, so how can we activate the right antidote? When we talk about acute stressors, that relates to fear. So what would be the right antidote to fear? It's probably a sense of trust, a sense of calm. And then let's reflect about what, for us, will create that sense of calm, that sense of trust, even if it's temporary. And I agree with you, um, simple things like some yoga postures, some breathing, a walk, uh, looking through the window, take a moment to reflect, may well be the exact uh, right thing to help you activate the antidotes and, and better manage these acute uh, stressors.
1: Good put it. Thank you. Mm.
0: I really like that, uh, and a great reminder. I'll definitely link to some notes on emotional combat, which is core to our program, but will be very effective in these in these yeah. circumstances. Mm, great point.
1: Yeah, I think Brad, maybe you know, as we head to conclusion, it's a good opportunity. Maybe we can link some of the resources which we already have available to to people who want simple things like that. Um, Because they are core to the program, they exist, they're right there And for those people who have been part of our programs You know, maybe it's a good time to dust off the old workbook You know, open up the app Just check the new videos And uh, take a moment to look at things like the breathing, the emotional combat You know, the daily practice, master your day ideas There's a lot of resource here and sometimes repetition can be powerful. So uh, let's let's make sure we do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, I absolutely agree. Uh, anything else before we wrap up for for the session? Any other practical tips or uh, observations?
1: You know, I just have one. I, I think we must keep bringing back ourselves back to the optimism. This will end. Humans bounce. They recover they grow again. We're going to come out of this stronger, wiser, and in some ways, maybe nature, maybe society, maybe the economies will come back in a much more resilient way. So, that's something I, I think we can all start to develop as, mm-hmm. as we work through this practically and constructively. Remember, hope is there. We yeah. will come out of this. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe a few weeks and maybe a few months. and Maybe it's a year. We don't know, but... There will be growth, there will be reconnection, and we will rediscover flow. And, you know, that is as a society, and I think each one of us needs to feel that strongly, that light of hope uh, in every day. Mm. Absolutely agree. Uh, As whether you're a leader,
0: whether it's just of yourself or of your family, build in some practices that will support your vitality, your resilience, that will enable you to find those few moments of joy, something that you're enjoying, you know, and make the most of this time. And, uh, and lead the way, because we need leaders more than
2: ever. And, as we, yeah, and this is really about cultivating realistic optimism. It's mm. being looked about the situation we are going through and, and remaining hopeful and optimistic in our ability to cope and adjust. And even this week, I think we all have observed Amazing signals of people, societies, community yes. adjusting being very agile and um, and that shows that actually like, humanity can can adjust, so I'm very confident and hopeful
0: absolutely absolutely I mean, I think one of the images that sticks with me is that of Italian people singing from their balconies despite mm-hmm. being in total lockdown amazing, and one other observation I'd like to make uh for yeah. There's a lot of people have a lot to say about Chinese media, but they published only optimistic stories when the outbreak occurred and they flattened the curve. I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing, but obviously having that optimism around you, maybe it's not such a bad thing after all. No,
1: that's a very good thing. And, and mm-hmm. you know, the uh, kind of hostility that's come up when people use disrespectful terms, the Chinese mm-hmm. virus, for example, why would we do that? Ah, you know, they've mm-hmm. been successful. They've they maintained them. it. We should oh. thank them. It's been a gift of the world. And this is a really important time for tolerance and respect of the diversity and, uh, you know, to, to be good human beings. Yeah, maybe it will remove a little bit of that
0: tribal human-to-human hostility when faced with an unseen enemy that we're all vulnerable well, towards. Yeah. Speaking. Anyway, uh, I'm happy to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining me this evening in New Zealand, this morning in South Africa and Switzerland. And we'll definitely catch up and continue in a subsequent webinar. And we will catch up with members of our team from the global team and a few others along the way. So I hope this has added some value. And I look forward to seeing you all again soon. Thank you so much,
2: Thank Rod. Thank you, Ben. See you very soon. Take yeah. care.
1: Thanks for hosting. Fabulous. Cheers. Bye-bye.